today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, we're with Joan Arata, a lifelong healthcare professional who's now a franchise owner of Modern Acupuncture Clinics in New York City and New Jersey. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand consultancy that taps into emotional insights and applies behavioral science to strengthen connections between brands and people. And I'm co-host Jasmine Moradi, behavioral sound scientist passionate about quantifying how sound impacts people's emotions and understanding emotional insights that affect consumer behavior. Many brand and business leaders don't realize that the limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And we're both curious about how our guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. We love to speak with brand leaders who are turning emotional insights into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Thank you so much, Joan, for being with us today. And let's talk limbic sparks. Thank you for having me, and it's uh, it's wonderful to be here. Well, we are we are just so thrilled and happy to speak with you today. And how are you doing today? So I'm I'm good. I'm great, and uh, and I was excited to have this opportunity to to talk with you and Jasmine because um, for several reasons. One is I've learned so much in in you know the last couple of years of of getting into um, a whole different business. Um, as well as in the last few months. And in fact, Kevin, you and I first started talking during the lockdown um, uh, last year. So um, it's been great having this connection and, and being able to talk to you. You really helped me rethink and reshape in many ways how we approach our market here at Modern Acupuncture. Well, I'm so thrilled that we had the chance to meet and it's gratifying to hear you say that. And we're gonna talk a lot about the last year and how, um, how the pandemic has affected your business and the emotional aspects of, of what you're trying to do with your customers. Um, but I wanna start in, a, in, a, in an area that's a little bit more about you at this moment. And I wanna ask you, um, having been so much over the last year, I'm sure not only your business, but your personal priorities have shifted and you're looking at things in different ways. What, do you say, what would you say are the three to five things that, that you really focus on and care most about right now in your life and career? Well, <laughs> everything really has shifted. So, um, you know, uh, I would say that's a that's a, a pretty short list. I, I would say really at the top of the list is um, sustainability, uh, and by that I, I, I unfortunately don't really mean the the environment. I really mean um, being able to sustain my businesses. You know, we started in um, in January of last year. We opened our two clinics. And then boom, you know, eight weeks later, we had to shut down to go into lockdown. Um, so uh, being, being able to sustain these businesses is really my full-time ongoing uh, passion at this point in time and, and how we continue to um, grow the businesses and, and be able to um, even, uh, you know, get back to where we were. We're still not back to where we were. So first and foremost, I would say it's that sustainability. And that, of course, also, you know, crosses over into my personal life because this, <laughs> this whole course of events over the last year never played into our business planning, needless to say. So from a pro forma perspective, we had no idea that we were going to have months and months of no revenue, let alone 
how slow and how long it would take to rebuild that revenue. And that certainly impacted me personally, financially as well. So, uh, so it, it has been um, a very interesting um, experience over, over this past, um, you know, over this past year and, um, and being able to, you know, hang on. It's incredible how in times like this, the things that make us who we are mm -hmm. really come out and, and, you know, help us chart our path forward and how we handle difficult situations. So everything that you're about and that you've been doing your whole career has um, prepared you for this moment that you didn't expect. Which is... I think that's I think that's true, and I think that uh, in addition to that, it makes us, you know, uh, who we are. I also think it helps us define that. I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure I recognize that all the time. I just did it, right? Yeah. You know, this is just this is life. You know, you get up and you go and you do and you you know experience and you're you know it's it's on the, it's this journey. Um, but I think this has really sort of put all that in focus for me now so that I, um, I think about, uh, I think about that every day, every day. Wow. I, and, and as you've gone through this, I'm sure, you know, given the newness of your business and the difficulty that we've had, you know, connecting with people in person over the last year, are there, are there things about the people who you've stayed closest with the things that you value in those relationships that are that, that have something in common? Absolutely. I think that it's it, the people that um, I've stayed closest to are people that, um, you know, have that same attitude that, you know, all right, everything's changing out there, but how do I, you know, me, how do I personally, you know, cope with that and reconfigure what I'm doing so that, uh, you know, I'm in this new reality. And, and, you know, whatever that is, you know, for a long time, people were talking, and I think this is one of the ways that you and I first connected, people talking about, you know, what is the new normal? And I, I really, I, I hate that expression. I, you know, I, I think we have to all get used to the fact and, and understand from our experience of this past year that normal, there's no such thing as normal anymore. It's not what we think it's going to be. Um, and it, it's where it's evolving. And I think everything will continue to evolve. It's not like one day, you know, um, everybody's going to be vaccinated and, and, you know, somebody's going to say, Dr. Fauci's going to say, okay, we're done, pandemic over, we've got herd immunity and the masks can come off. So go back to the way you used to do things. That's never happening. I think we've all learned an amazing number of lessons about this whole experience and, um, you know, talking about people going back to their offices and, you know, how, how we interact with people. I think that's just all going to be different and it's evolving. So it's not gonna be what's the new normal because I don't think it's ever going to just stay that way. I think it's going to be an ongoing evolution of how we interact and, and what our expectations are of that interaction. Wow, I love that way of thinking. And I, I, you said it in the beginning, I think this is exactly how we connected on this idea of there's not gonna be a new normal. It's, it's really about the new now. It's about That's moving right. forward as best as possible with the greatest understanding as possible to make people's lives better and adapting as we go as the situation evolves. It's so important right now. Right, exactly. So important.
So staying on this topic of relationships for a bit, I want to ask you about another relationship. Um, and that is uh, a relationship that you have with a brand that you've had this relationship with since the earliest days of your memory. And it's still a part of your life today. I want to understand, is there a brand that you have that kind of relationship uh, with? And, and, and what is it about that brand that, why does it remain in your life in this way? There are a couple. So the first, I'm going to tell you, and this is, this might make you laugh. The first thing that came to mind when you said this was Q-tips, that enduring brand and the fact that that became our vernacular, the name of something became our vernacular. I love, I love, love, love that whole concept and idea. The next thing that came to mind was Eileen Fisher, which is a woman's clothing brand. And um, I, I, I wore a lot of Eileen Fisher. And, I, and the reason I wore Eileen Fisher uh, throughout most of my corporate career was because it was easy. She, she designs and, 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 and manufactures easy to wear clothing for women. Um, but it was distinct in its own way without it being sort of over the top. So I liked the fact that it sort of became my style and, um, but, and it wasn't over the top. Nobody would look and say, oh my gosh, you know, why is she wearing that? Or, or you know, why, why would she, you know, choose that? It was, it was very practical, yet stylish and yet um, easy. And um, I think all of those things kind of define how I like to approach things. Um, so, and it was interesting because as I was sort of uh, transitioning out of corporate America and I no longer felt like I needed uh, a corporate kind of a wardrobe. Um, and as you can see here, I am in my modern acupuncture wardrobe. Um, I, uh, it was interesting as I was packing them up and Eileen Fisher actually takes back a lot of their clothes and 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 resells them, um, you know, in in uh, underserved areas or or even oh, wow. gives a lot of them away, which I love, love, love. And so, um, as I was packing them up to to do that, um, I could think of various meetings. Like when I met the Surgeon General for the first time, I, I had on this outfit, and when I met this person for the first time, I had on this outfit. And it was really kind of interesting to kind of go through that metamorphosis in my mind as I was sort of shedding that that life, right, wow. and getting into my new life and my what 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 I needed and who I needed to be in this new life. Wow, it, that's such a, 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 an interesting story about how that brand has been with you throughout your career. And I love the idea that you have specific memories with specific outfits and probably can remember when you purchased them and what it was you liked about them. Absolutely, It's yeah. such a, it's so amazing. Do you think that there's anything about the way um, Eileen Fisher as a brand approaches its product line or its customers that that causes that connection with you? Well, yeah, I, you know, absolutely. And I, I've always, I've never met Eileen Fisher. I've always I meant the brand, not the me. person. <laughs> <laughs> she is actually though. I believe and, you. <laughs> um, and actually now I believe her daughter is very much involved with the business, which I also love. But so one of to answer your specific question, I think one thing about it is that it's it's woman, it's a woman, right? It's a woman-owned business. She designed all the clothes herself early on, and um, she had a vision, right? She she supported her own vision of what a woman needed to wear and look like 
in various environments, but that included for me the corporate environment. Um, and so I think that that to me, it was the driving factor. You know, many, um, you know, women's clothing designers are men and that's fine. Uh, it, it's all well and good, but I think the fact that this was a woman and that I was able to relate so completely and from such so early uh, on, I think um, it is significant to, the, to that brand. Wow. Right? I love the connection you have there. So Joanne, you and Kevin, you guys already got to know each other, but mm -hmm. uh, you and me, we're meeting for the first time and I want to get a sense of what you're all about. Can you describe yourself to me and do this by only naming three to five brands and why they paint a picture of you? I would definitely start with EverReady. Then I would go to, um, I would include, you know, those, those, um, you know, brands that became, you know, things like Q-Tip and Kleenex. I, I love, I love that. And, and I think that that staying power, right? I like to think I have that kind of staying power. And then I think Eileen Fisher has to be in there because it's that easy, comfortable, yet professional, um, not chic necessarily, but uh, current current is the right word, right? And, and I, I like and hope that all of those uh, words describe me as well. If I could think of something that would be consistent because I like to also think that I'm consistent um, in my approach and in my um, thoughts and how I, how I react to something. So if there's a brand out there that, that, um, that represents that, um, which unfortunately I can't think of, but I would say that would be another one of the traits that I hope I embody. Yeah, so, so that's amazing. That's great brands. And you've been explaining brands that you love mm -hmm. and brands that describe you, but we've also you know, been through bad brand experiences in our lives. So mm. now I wanna know, can you tell me about a brand experience that you recently had that was really, really bad? No need to name the brand, just what about the experience that was so bad? Here's what it would be, if, even if I can't think of the brand, it would be something that presented itself as this, but turned out to be this, right? And, and that to me is um, incomprehensible because I think that when you are um, selling yourself or selling something or, or portraying yourself in some way to not be um to not be that then to me is like the worst possible thing I, are you talking about that they're trust. are you talking about that they're communicating that they're perceived in a certain way and then when you come in contact with the brand it's not congruent then exactly yes exactly so well said, but yeah, that's, ex <laughs> that's exactly right. Because I think then you, you know, you've lost all my trust. I, I, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to hear even why, you know, you're not what you said uh, mm. and, and you didn't meet the expectations that you set. Then let me tell you, Justin, very quickly. When I was in India, we went into a restaurant, me and my cousin, and then it was pictures of food and text. And then we order a salad and we said, yeah, we'll go for the Greek salad. So we pointed mm -hmm. on that one. And then we were chatting and chatting and then the food came. 
and it just came with like a lot of um, carrots. And, and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, sorry, I think it's the other table that ordered that one. And I said, no, you said salad. I said, Greek salad. And they're like, what do you mean? And then I brought the menu and I said, well, that's what we wanted. And he's like, yeah, but that's pictures only. <laughs> and I was like, but that's called false marketing <laughs> where I come from. <laughs> yeah. Not today. So, Today's salad is carrots. <laughs> tell us about a good brand experience you've had in your life. You know, and this, this is actually kind of an interesting thing um, because I've just recently been going through some changes in terms of healthcare professionals that I work with personally. And, um, you know, uh, uh, several years ago, I had um, a really close friend who became very ill. Um, and uh, out of all of it, she ended up, fortunately, um, in the whole Wild Cornell medical system in New York City, which is um, Columbia Presbyterian, um, hospital and um, and uh, the medical school and all that's attached to it. And she got amazing, amazing care. And it opened my eyes to, um, to those decisions being so important where you get your care. And I'm actually living through this with a friend um, right now and her parents, right? Where you get your care matters. So in going through this experience with my friend at the time, my husband and I actually um, switched all of our doctors. We wanted to be in that wild Cornell system. And um, just recently we moved from New York to New Jersey. So we had to switch up, you know, and with, you know, all the changes in our insurance here in the US and what's happening with, um, insurance and all of that, we, we had to make some, you know, pretty significant changes. And as we were going through it all, we elected and decided that we would pay more money uh, for our insurance to have the flexibility to maintain our doctors at Wild Cornell. People are, are at a point, and I, and I actually think that perhaps this past year has uh, brought that point home a little bit more. I think people are at a point now where they will make those decisions to even spend more to uh, get, you know, that better care, which is absolutely part of that brand experience. That, that's that brand. And I don't, I, I'm not even sure how many people think about healthcare in that way. But I think that having had those experiences personally and watching friends go through it and families go through it, um, I think that those are really important things that people have to be thinking about. Mm. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And, and I'm sorry about the experiences that you guys had. And I would say in Sweden, it's very much like that. You can get access, no matter where you go, you can get access to, to, to your, um, diagnosis and so on. So, so Joanne, would you then say that there were limbic sparks, um, a meeting of emotional motivation and brand desire in that experience you had with Cornell? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, I, I think some of the most important limbic sparks, right? Because it's about yourself and it's about your personal health and your personal health care, which I think is, you know, sort of some of the deepest you know, emotional sparks that we, you know, we can recognize. So mm. yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. And, and you're talking about uh, healthcare. You've yourself worked in the healthcare for your whole career. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that you're a registered nurse, and yes. so is my mother. Uh-huh. And you've held very senior roles in sales at companies like WebMD, and you've been a consultant. Mm-hmm. And now you're a franchise owner of modern acupuncture clinics in New York City and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know what motivated you to transition to franchise ownership and why mo- modern acupuncture? First and foremost, I had been thinking for a long time, you know, there is such a thing uh, in corporate America uh, that you, you will age out. I'm sorry, people don't like to talk about it, but, but you will. And, um, uh, and I have no idea if it's more that women feel this more or, you know, if it's equal, uh, it's an equal feeling for men, but I certainly do feel that at some point in time, uh, in corporate America, you are made to feel like it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's an upside and downside to that, right? The downside is, you know, if you're not ready and, and you don't feel like it's time to move on, then it's, you know, it can be disappointing at, 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 uh, at some level. And at worst, it can be, you know, devastating, right? But um, on the, the positive side of that, I think that, uh, you know, it is, it is an opportunity to recognize all that you have done and achieved and that maybe it is time to usher in, you know, uh, the next generation of people to sort of take what you've done and that foundation that you've built over those many years and bring it to the next, to the next level, right? So um, upside, downside for sure. But knowing that and knowing that I was in no way done and ready to you know go lay on a beach someplace although sometimes that sounds really good but I um I was looking for a long time for what I would do next and I really felt very strongly that it it would not likely be in corporate America again that it would be more independent and more on my own and so I was looking at various opportunities and some friends had um had found modern acupuncture. And, um, and when they were talking about it at dinner one night, I was like, what are you talking about? That sounds so interesting. And I personally have used acupuncture and had a lot of acupuncture in my lifetime. And I, I'm a very big fan and a big supporter. They said, what are you talking about? So they started telling me about this new franchise concept that was started in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, the people that had uh, that were involved had had lots of experience in doing other franchise concepts. Um, many who have big, well-known names um, in the country, um, Massage Envy being one of those, The Joint, which is chiropractic, um, European Wax Centers. So this whole concept of um, recurring revenue, it's a recurring revenue model, right? And so um, I said, wow, I think I could get behind that. And I had looked at so many other things that I decided I couldn't really get behind. So um, we went down to Scottsdale and we met with uh, the founders. And um, I really loved the whole idea of bringing acupuncture to the masses. Our goal is to make people's lives better, but we're doing that by making acupuncture accessible right? And not so mysterious. That's actually a lot of what we do here. We do a lot of education 
here because people don't understand how acupuncture works and why acupuncture works. So that's been, I think, another really big learning in this past year uh, in terms of how we approach our market. Yeah. So Joan, I want to get into this topic right now. This is exactly where I want to go, which is over the past year, you've dealt with the pandemic. You've dealt with opening your stores and having them shut down very soon after you've opened and then slowly building back up uh, your hours and your clients. And you and I have talked quite a bit about how you've been working really hard to understand the emotional needs that your potential customers and current customers have. So I'd like to talk a bit about that because what you've been doing is exactly what Jasmine and I like to talk to people about, which is tapping into the emotional insights that you're aware of to adapt how you present your brand and encourage people to come. So can you, can you share a bit about um, your understanding of customer needs now versus a year ago when you first launched and how it's changed some of the sales and marketing practices that you've been working toward? Oh, absolutely. It's been a real change. Um, and what's interesting about it, Kevin, is while I think the pandemic kind of sparked that change, right? Um, I think we would have gotten here. It just would have taken us longer to get here, right? Because when we first started, First of all, there's no brand recognition. Nobody knows modern acupuncture. So it's not like somebody's walking down West Houston Street in Manhattan, sees my clinic, and says, oh my God, I didn't even know there was a modern acupuncture here. This is great. They're walking by and saying, modern acupuncture, what is that? Right? Such so, a new brand. Exactly. So that's number one. Number two, um, I think when we first started, we thought, um, and the founders, I think, thought too that it was the, everybody, everything, you know, we're trying to, we're bringing an ancient Chinese medicine, right? Acupuncture has been around for 3,000 years. So what we're doing is we're bringing this ancient Chinese medicine into the modern world, right? And um, I think we thought, so everything's very bright. Um, you know, I'm looking at your beautiful yellow wall behind you in, in this, in, in, on the Zoom and, and our colors, are, that yellow is kind of one of our colors and it's all very bright and it's very modern and we have these beautiful doors that are the entryway to our treatment room, which we call the Zen Lounge. And it's very, um, you know, it's, it's like an interpretation, right, of the whole mystique of acupuncture. Right. Um, and so when we started, we had really, um, we had very cutting edge uh, advertising and our models were very sleek and, and um, you know, uh, we do a lot of facial acupuncture. And I really think that's actually a differentiating factor for modern acupuncture. We talk about using acupuncture for beauty as opposed to Botox and it's enormous scientific literature that supports it, but nobody ever knew that, right? So we, we, you know, we, we were going out there with a very slick approach and thinking that that would appeal and, and that would be what brought people in. But it was very aspirational. If I remember correctly, it was very aspirational. It almost felt like spa advertising. Exactly. And, and as the pandemic has evolved, 
people were more dealing with uh, overcoming negative emotion versus wanting the 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 sort of aspirational side of things at that moment that that's exactly that's exactly right this is you know where you and i actually connected um was over this and how did how do we move it was a it was really kind of a conundrum right how do we move from that slick aspirational approach to a more clinical approach which we've been slowly doing over the last few months and um, and making it more about the, uh, the medicine and the choice that people can make about how they invest in their self-care. Yeah, right? when, when you and I were talking, when you and I were talking just the other day, you used a term and I want, I sorry to interrupt, but I really wanted to bring this up and ask you to explain it. You said, you, your marketing efforts have gone from theoretical to emotionally tactical. What did you mean by that? Yes. So what I meant by that was understanding that in order for people to make the leap and go from their traditional Western medicine or their thoughts about, you know, their care to a more, um, you know, something a little bit different or something that they would have considered kind of out there before they had an experience here, right? So it, it's more practical. So when we get tactical, we get practical, right? And being able to make it um, something that makes sense to them. So talking, you know, in today's, in today's world, talking to people about the fact that by reducing your stress and anxiety, you increase your immunity. Mm. You know, that's something people today can really relate to, right? Yeah. And by having, you know, tables where people can feel like they're being treated um, in a way that they expect to be treated and that then they have those results that they're anticipating or hoping for, right? Then that's a more practical approach to, rather than always trying to re-educate them, yeah. uh, you know, the distal needling and why it works. Yeah. So having an understanding and, and spending, you know, spending the time and energy over the last few months to really study the, the field, your clients, your customers, how you're bringing them into the clinics. Are there, are there two or three specific tactics that you've deployed in your in your clinics or in your marketing practices that are showing more success by tapping into people's emotional motivations? Yes, I, I think this whole, um, this whole more clinician-based approach, right? So when somebody comes in now, we talk about them needing to be evaluated by the acupuncturist so that you know, they understand that you know, when they fill out our intake form, that's a really important form. People used to just think that it was, you know, just some paperwork they had to get through, but it's a really important form because it really tells the acupuncturist what they need to focus on and how to initiate that conversation with that particular patient so that they get to the root of what that person's expectations are, right? If we never understand what their expectations are, what does success look like? How do we help them measure that success, right? And if we want them to come back, right? How do we help them measure the progress, not only the success, but the progress they're making so that they recognize that by coming back, it's, it is in fact positively having a positive impact. 
Wow. Right? wow. That's really incredible. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And it's fascinating to watch us go through this kind of shift because it, it, it definitely is a shift, right? Um, because this isn't massage. Everybody knows what a massage is. Yeah. Right. So you can be as slick as you want in, in talking to people about a massage, right? This is medicine. This is, you know, this is actually impacting how your neural pathways connect to your brain so that, you know, your pain is decreased. So it's incredible when you talk about this, I'm thinking about the impact that it has on them is this emotional relief that mm -hmm. they feel. But to get them in the door, it requires a little bit more practicality, a little bit more of a clinician focus to address ways that they're feeling and how acupuncture could actually change the way they're feeling. It's about healthy benefits. So mm -hmm. while it may feel like you're walking out of a spa and the brand experience feels like a spa, talking about it up front like a spa isn't the best way to get them in the door. No, no. It, in fact, it was not the best way to get them in the door because then, you know, you have people, well, if I'm just going to relax, I'll go get a massage. You know, I, I don't want needles you know, yeah. to relax. Wow. Wow. But, that's, uh, but that's, you know, that's really an interesting distinction. It's a, right? such a huge insight, right? It's such mm -hmm. a huge insight that the brand experience could feel one way, but the way you tap into their motivations has to start from a different place. Right. But those two do have to come together. Yes. Kevin, right. And, and the way they come together is when people walk out and they certainly feel wonderful. Wow. That's so, so much learning, so much evolution in such a difficult time. And, mm -hmm. and as you look forward, what are you most hopeful and optimistic about for your business? Well, so many things. I mean, number one is that, you know, as, as more and more people get vaccinated and come back out and, and re, you know, reintegrate and reassimilate into, you know, life. I think that we all have to think about self-care in a very different way. And I do truly believe that for people that have been through this lockdown, which has been so difficult, it's so isolating. And so, you know, people weren't doing anything necessarily um, for themselves you know, I think this whole concept of self-care, which is becoming one of those terms that, you know, is so overused now, but I think the whole concept of self-care is, has to become embedded in, in, in what we do for ourselves, how we take care of ourselves is very, very important. And taking yeah. half an hour out of your day in order to do something that will have a long-term impact on your health and your well-being is crucial crucial. And I think that that's how people have to start thinking about what acupuncture can bring to them. It's not, it's not just a, a one and done, but it's an ongoing um, uh, modality that, that has to be incorporated into people's lifestyle. Wow. 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 Joanne, I really feel your 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 passion and uh, authenticity of all this, and you've been through such an incredible journey. And 
the reason why Kevin and I wanted to speak with you was because how much you empathize, you put in understanding and adapting to people's emotions. And there's a lot from your experience that other business and brand leaders can learn from. So I want to know, why do you think then with everything that you described that brands are still neglecting the power of emotion, emotional insight in their approach to growing their business? Oh, I think it's uh, because that's not how people were taught, right? It's not traditional in marketing to think about, to come in it from that, from that perspective. So I think that, um, again, it, it, it takes evolution. It takes more and more people. It takes, it takes people like you and Kevin being out there and talking to more and more people about this opportunity. You know, um, it takes, you know, Kevin having the case studies that he has on his site, you know, for people to even start to wonder what, what is that? What does that mean? What, what, what do I have to do? Um, you know, again, it's, it's sort of very similar to the whole concept of, you know, Eastern medicine. It's not, it's not woo woo. It's not out there. Right. It, but it, it feels mystical, right? There's a mystique around it. And I think when you talk about emotions, that's all in that mystical kind of realm, yeah. right? It's not, people don't think about it in the practical realm. In fact, people want to do the opposite. They want to get away from emotions, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what we are taught, right? Yes. Not so be emotional. It's not, close it down. it's not easy. You're, you're, you know, you're having to do exactly what I'm having to do, you know, is learn and help people learn along the way. But I think until curriculums change, you know, from a marketing perspective, I, I think until curriculums change and until more people have that opportunity to speak from experience, um, you know, again, which is why, you know, these kinds of conversations that you guys are having with brand leaders, I think are, are, are really important to start, start driving that change. It, it, it's a change um, and it's an evolution that has to happen. I feel so strongly, and Kevin, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I feel so strongly that Kevin really helped me, you know, make that connection and jumpstart. I mean, it was from those early conversations that I started thinking, wow, I think we're doing this. <laughs> we're going at this the wrong way. Wow, we're, thank we're, you. We're, not, we're not approaching this the, the right way. It's not about these sleek, slick models that we're putting out there in our, in our ads. It's really about what is, what is somebody going to feel? How is somebody going to feel differently when they, you know, when they really incorporate acupuncture into their lives? Yeah. Wow. So, so based on the experience you had then with Kevin, what would be the, your recommendations? What do you believe is the best way to create these limbic sparks, the moments when emotional motivation meets brand desires for, for other brands to think about? I think they have to really get to the core of what is driving their customers. What are those connections that are driving their customers? Why does somebody choose you know, Pepsi over Coke or vice versa. Mm -hmm. What is it about that brand that it, that they're connecting with? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things that I, I believe Kevin actually has been doing is, is having those kinds of conversations. And I think that um, that's what you have to get to. You have to get to the root 
of that emotion. What is the emotion that's driving that customer to your business or to, to your competitor? Yeah. What are you missing that your competitor has been doing? Right. So I think that um, until brands are willing and ready to get to that root cause, I, 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 I just don't think that they'll, um, they'll move because I think that they're too entrenched. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll be a generational thing. I'm not, I'm not sure. And then, and then finally, as a business and a brand leader, what is it then that you know now that you wish you knew years ago? Perhaps oh. something that other brand leaders can, can learn from. Ay, ay, ay. The new that, generation. I, I hope that's my book, Jasmine. Wait a second. <laughs> We're launching your book right here. <laughs> I think, um, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's exactly how I started. It's getting up every day and thinking, all right, it's a whole new day. What am I gonna learn today? What am I gonna learn today? And how is that going to change what I'm doing? And how will that impact my business? And I think if, it, you, know, if you really want to be a leader or sustain a leadership role, I really think you have to be that open. And especially, there, there's no doubt in my mind that that is ever more true with the world that we're living in right now and how things are going to be constantly evolving. And, and I love what Kevin said, the new now. It's the new now. Now is not tomorrow. Now is now. Now. Now is Wow, so cool. Uh, Joan, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, thank you so much for joining on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. And um, I just all the continued success in your business as we come out of this pandemic and you you start building back up again to where you where you expect to be. It's just you're making the right steps and we're so happy for you. Thank, Thank you, you for so being much. Here. Thank you both of you. And Kevin, we look forward to seeing you again soon in our Zen Lounge. I hope to be there. Very <laughs> much so. I will be there. Good. Thanks so much, you guys. For more, go to limbicsparks.com.